Welcome to the Your Best Being Podcast, where we talk all things self-development, wellness, spirituality, and healing, giving you tips, tools, and the inspiration to become the best version of yourself. Welcome back, everybody, to the Your Best Being podcast, and today I have with us Deborah Kelly. And although we share the same last name, we are not related, that we know of anyways. Um, So Deborah is a real estate agent in Kelowna, BC. Are you still doing real estate over in Mexico? Uh, Yes, and uh, hi, Andrea. Hi. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you for coming. Because you're also an author. You actually just, you won an award. uh, Amazon's number one international bestseller, and it's called Wait a Year. So let's just get started because you started off with a bang. And in your book, and in your words, you talk about your obsession with suicide. And I just love your authenticity and your realness with the level of honesty that you brought forward so immediately, not only did you want to end your own life, but you were also thinking about bringing your children with you. And I don't think you're the only one, but the fact that you even admitted that. So take us back to that place. I sense that there's still a little bit of emotion there when, when we talk about this, obviously so. Well, it is one of those things that suicide is not coffee talk. Mm-hmm. that I was really good at pretending. Mm-hmm. So if we were having a conversation, a group of girlfriends, hey, how are you? Great, everything's fine. My inside voice was, yeah, I've got to the details planned for how I'm going to kill myself. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I knew things were really escalating when I decided I wasn't going to leave my three kids with their dad. I was certain of it that I was so angry and enraged that then I went from just myself to I'm not leaving them. So I'm going to plan now for all of us. Um, It sounds like such a disturbing, deep topic, and it is. Uh, The reason I shared about it is because I wanted women to read this and go, oh my God, someone else is actually saying out loud what I had thought Mm -hmm. once or twice in my life. It's true. And I mean, now, even more into that, your husband had cheated on you with another woman, a younger woman called Miss Boobs. Booby. Miss Booby. I laughed because I just, I thought that nickname was funny. There's a lot of humor woven throughout your book too, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. And so what does that look like to be getting married so young, having children, the person that you'd fallen in love with suddenly falls for a younger woman, his janitor. I believe that's who it was. So what goes on in someone's head? How did you make sense of all of it? In retrospect, you can look back and start dissecting life. Uh, I think that when you're 19 and uh, you're getting married, you don't have the skills of communication. Mm -hmm. And I wish now if I could go back, would I still want to be with him? Yes. Being the the married person for 65 years, holding hands until you die, 
yes, I was raised that way. I wanted to live my life with one man. But we eventually started falling apart, I guess, at the seams. Not too, too bad. There was no abuse. There was no disrespect. He had. He was a great father. I want to make sure that everybody knows that. And he's still in my children's life. And they're all in their 30s now. Um, but if I could say one thing to, and I say this to my kids who are married now, is communicate, communicate, say it. Don't go to bed with something sweeping under, you've swept under the rug. And I think that was the tipping point for this young girl. She's now 32. Husband comes home, says, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving. I'm like, what? You can't leave. We've got three kids. He left, and that was the end of that. So for me, my world was upside down. Mm-hmm. I saw no way out. I didn't want to be alone with raising kids. Thank goodness you waited a year. So you went to Mexico. Before I talk about Mexico, though, I, I do resonate I, I resonate with you because you, you brought up briefly the fact that you came from, your mother was very strict, so you had a strict upbringing. Do you feel that with that authoritarian style of upbringing, do you think that that held yourself back from finding your voice? Now you have your voice, but... I realized many years into what I call recovery, I now have a black belt in codependent recovery. At the Mm -hmm. time, I didn't have a voice. I couldn't say no, I couldn't say yes. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. I was afraid of conflict. I always was walking on eggshells. My mom would burst into my home with the kids and my husband and not be invited in or ask or call ahead. Um, And it was a problem with my husband and I. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't be, I was the middleman at all times. And it was exhausting being that person. Mm -hmm. So my mom, to be fair to her today, was only doing the best she could at the time with who she was. Mm-hmm. I eventually learned how to forgive, and so I had a really good relationship with my mom. But at the time when I chose Mexico, I was escaping everybody. I couldn't wait to never see her again, my neighborhood again, the people who thought I was some fabulous wife, and it turned out I wasn't a fabulous wife because my husband left. So who was I? Mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was. And the decision to go to Mexico, I don't want to, I mean, everybody's going to have to read the book to hear the details, but I did feel that you went through experience after experience where you just were coming up against needing to step out of that space of, like, you had to really set your boundaries, you had to find your voice, you needed to, from the moment you got there with that lady, I forget what you called her, but she, anyway, she brought you to some crap shack. <laughs> right. Horrible. First house, yeah. That you had prepaid for. Yes. So when you got there, you moved to Mexico with your children. What were you thinking? Was there a point where you just thought? I, I, I chose this little town of Cabo San Lucas, which right now is very rich. Mm-hmm. Lifestyles are the rich and famous. But back then, no TV, no phone. I chose August. Uh because there was no Google. How hot is it in August? I shouldn't have arrived there when it was 100 degrees and humid, and the pavement was lava. Like every step was, you were sinking into the pavement, the few rows that had pavement. 
I met this gal. She said, oh, because I'd been there on vacation in March. And she said, oh, we're sitting on the beach drinking margaritas. She said, well, if you ever decide to move here, I'll hire you to sell real estate. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And then I find out whoever's breathing is hired to sell real estate because there was no skills needed. Uh, why? Because at that time, there was nobody coming to town to buy real estate. And you didn't need a license to sell no, real estate? No, not okay. like here. Yeah. Okay. But when I arrived in this little town with the kids, I didn't know what to expect. I just was running. I didn't know what I was really going to. I had paradise. I had beach on my brain. I, my whole life, I wanted to live at the ocean. My entire life, dreaming of an ocean life. And I thought, okay, I'm going to live at the ocean for at least one year of my life before I'm going to kill myself if a year later I just still decided to kill myself. During that um, first few months, though, yes, every single day was worse than the day before. It mm -hmm. could not get any worse until finally you have another breakdown. You're at a surrender. Or what I say in the book is I had a case of the fuckets. I finally mm -hmm. woke up one day and said, you know what? I'm out of money? Okay. I can't live here with the scorpions and the bugs? Okay. I went through a hurricane? That's fine. Oh, I started losing my hair? Okay. My car started on fire with the kids in the middle of the desert? Oh, well, what more could go wrong? So there was a level of almost detachment at some point. Would you say? Yeah, or? detachment is a good word. Um, I think you finally get to where you, there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> You're at your lowest, the most bottom. Alcoholics describe it as their bottom. Yeah. I was at the bottom. I couldn't go any farther down emotionally, physically, mm -hmm. spiritually. At the time, I didn't have a spiritual side. Today, I, I do, but then I didn't. And then slowly, poco a poco, you start the right people come into your life. Yeah, helping hand, Angel Annie. Yes. So Annie had introduced you to a group of women. Yeah. So during, I'm thinking I'm about three months there. Things are getting worse. Uh, the school issues are bad. The weather's everything's bad. Um, and now, oh, and being single in the sex scene, that was a whole other uh, experience as well. And then I start losing my hair after a devastating rain that destroyed the area. And I'm sitting by myself, crying, crying, crying in a restaurant. A woman walks by, sees me, sits down, grabs my hand, and says, Honey, what's wrong? In the sweetest angel-like voice, and I just poured out my soul like I'd never done to any other human being in my life. The whole story. She then kept saying, it will be okay. Mm -hmm. It will be okay. I promise you, it will be okay. And I believed her. There was something magic about that moment. She introduced me to a group of women that were all alcoholics in recovery. I'm not an alcoholic in recovery, but what I shared with those women was the basics of codependency. Mm -hmm. The downside of alcoholism is um, inability to maintain functional relationships. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a kind of a wordy definition, but codependency is truly a difficult part of life. No boundaries, inability to uh, see other people capable of 
blaming everyone but yourself. When I woke up one day and decided I'm working on myself, it was because Annie showed me a group of women who shared at a depth I had never heard before. Really, really difficult life stories, and they shined. Mm-hmm. They lived differently. They dedicated to journaling. They dedicated to living every day in gratitude. And so I learned poco a poco on how to live differently. And to this day, I still have journals. I still journal. I do affirmations. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a path. And I'm on a path of self-discovery. And I'm on a path to help other women. I love that. I really, really resonate with that. And the power of sharing your story I mean, even, I loved how you share several times throughout the book, you got really comfortable with releasing the emotion of sadness and releasing, you you were crying several times throughout the book, which I really, I really liked that. Did you have the ability to express emotion prior to that? Or was it when you moved to Mexico, you started to experience more of a release? I think I was such a con- good at a, being a control freak. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that language then, so I didn't know I was a control person. I didn't know that everything had to be perfect in a box, set up like this. And no, I can't say I ever cried easily before. I didn't. After I started working on myself, mm-hmm. crying was uh, a regular thing. I love that. I love expressing emotion. I think it's so important to just get it out. Now, when was it that you met Kenny? This was my favorite part of the book. I got really excited when you, when you were, now let me backtrack a bit. I was excited because the hopeless romantic in me was excited that there was a sort of a romance within the, the, the story of, of this book, right? However, I I often thought too maybe with Kenny, and I mean, I don't know, you can tell me this, but perhaps there was a, I don't want to say red flags, but he was quite eager to gain your, um, to gain your proposal, to get your time to be with you. And he was a recovering alcoholic himself. Right. So that was really interesting. But tell me about Kenny. Tell me about that point. So Kenny shows up in my life when I'm already on the beginnings of learning about myself, journaling. I'm on a path. I'm starting to use my voice. I'm learning forgiveness. And I'm getting. I'm learning how to get rid of the rage about the ex-husband because, mm-hmm. you know, letting that go and I found that 21 days in a row of saying, uh, well, call it a prayer, uh, you know, asking for someone else's, for them to be, you know, have a good life and how I wanted to be free of anger. Mm -hmm. Well, funny enough, 21 days of saying that out loud several times a day, you finally get released from the anger and letting go of that person. So my ex-husband was no longer clouding who I was. Um, But I was running out of money, and I had to get back home to Canada um, in about six months instead of my year, and I did not want to go back with my tail between my legs and being, you know, everyone's right, oh, you were ruining your kid's life down there, it's going to be awful, and 
sure enough, Conda did do a little bit of rooting and a little bit of, um, um, yeah, I'm, it, it was awful. No <laughs> question. No question. Do but, they, but they don't think, do they? No. Oh, God. Yeah. No. I, I laugh because, you know, it's funny, our own perspectives of things, right? They're, I mean, they probably thought, wow, I got to live in Mexico because mom took me down. They did. Yeah, in fact, I've got a story about what happened in just this February, so I'll get to that in a sec. But Kenny shows up when I am begging for a job. Everyone I know who's making money down there, the real estate only lasted three weeks because I didn't like showing up every day and nobody was coming in. The phone never rang. Not a soul came in to even ask about real estate. Why? Because it's hurricane season in Cabo. Anyhow, um, it's now February, and I go and beg a guy for a job. He's running the brand-new Westin timeshare. Mm. Uh, had I ever sold anything before? No. Um, and I said, look, if you don't hire me right now, I have to go back to Canada. I have no money. I've got three kids. He said, okay, you're hired. You can start tomorrow. I'm like, oh, Okay. But while I was on my way to talk to him, I see this guy walking down this hill from the West End. He's got long blonde hair, he's tall, he's happy, uh, and handsome, and he's got this big gold chain, his shirt's half done, undone, and I'm thinking, oh my God, who does that guy think he is? <laughs> like, really? And then the guy I'm with in the car as we're getting up to this, the West End stops and we roll down the window and... And Kenny leans in, and he's, like, right in my space. Whoa, you know, who's this gorgeous girl? You get all the gorgeous girls. So he's very flattering, and I, I don't even want to talk to him because he's way too much. Um, ends up, he and I start working at the same place. And um, he is, like, literally stalking me for about six weeks till I go out with him. Can't you go out with me? I'd love I, I'm so attracted to you. I want to go out with you. And I'm like, no, I don't want to date anybody, especially a guy like you, who by, by now I've learned all about him. He spent a year in jail. Uh, he has uh, been in recovery from alcoholic and drugs, which I'd never done drugs my entire life. Um, he'd been married three times. Um, you know, like this list of lengthy list of, I can't write my mother, dear mom, I've met this guy. <laughs> so needless to say, I finally agreed to go out on a date and we, that was it. It was magic. We had the most amazing 12 years together. He raised my kids. Yeah. And so with, so you two are no longer, he died. Oh, I know. Goodness. People want to know what happened to him. Yeah. Is there going to be a yeah. a part two? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Was it expected? Un unexpected. Cancer. Okay. Cancer story. Was, yeah. Really sad. Um, but yeah. So, right. but Kenny came into my life at a time. Right. When I was just becoming this, the person I always was, but didn't know how to be me. I didn't have a voice. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't have... And Kenny was supportive. He was. He had a supportive spirit. He was on his own path, spiritual mm -hmm. path. Yeah. Now, moving forward, 
today? Depression. Does it still does it still loom above at times? Did you fully did you get rid of it fully or does it have its grasp ever so slightly? This is my favorite part of why I want to talk to women. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a tool belt. Mm-hmm. What do you do when things aren't going well? Life's throwing mm-hmm. you a curveball. I call it my tool belt. I have a tool belt. And I learned that tool belt through working the Codependence Anonymous, um, 12 Steps, years of going to meetings, working with others, helping others, listening to others with the same story as mine. Mm -hmm. And today, in my tool belt, when something awful is happening, it doesn't even have to be that awful, but I never go that low. I never have to go that far down again because I don't let myself. I have my journal I go to. I have meditation. I say my little prayers or after. Affirmations. Love Love all three of those, by the way. I'm a big proponent of all three of those. Well, and I think if I had to pick the most critical, it is daily affirmations. People don't realize the power of... So let's just say, and I have a list in my book, but I really didn't think I was a good mom. So that was what I thought. But my affirmation is, I am a good mom. My children thrive, and I nurture them lovingly. I am a good mom. You say that over and over, and you have, again, 21 days as a habit. Um, I deserve greatness in my life. I believe in all possibilities. Mm-hmm. I, Before I go into a difficult situation, I set an intention of how great it's going to work out. I believe really in all possibilities today. I live a very big life. I've been very blessed with huge success, but it's because I learned how to live life differently. A tool belt is one of my uh, gifts. I've got my journaling, my affirmations, my uh, getting enough sleep. I try not to go down destructive pathways, which are overeating, overdrinking, mm-hmm. self-talk, mm-hmm. critical self-talk, destructive self-talk. I don't go there for as long. Mm-hmm. And my, maybe a few minutes now, or could be a half a day, I'll let myself stay on the sofa. I've gone through significant loss, my husband, my mom, and my sister. Mm-hmm. So during those grief-stricken times, and they are serious, life-changing experiences, I went to my tool belt. Mm -hmm. I didn't let myself say, oh, I'm going to kill myself. I don't go there. It was, I've been absolutely released from that. And the relationship that you have with your children. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Yeah. So there you go. All three are grownups in their thirties. I just had my grandkids visiting for a week. That's why I may look very tired right now, Andrea. You don't. You they look just beautiful. Because they just left. <laughs> How old are your grandchildren? They're four and a half and two and a half, and they are um, busy. Handful. Busy. <laughs> but this February, this is an interesting thing. So in the book, obviously, mm-hmm. I reveal about the suicide, and I reveal about wanting to kill them as well. 
saying that out loud even right now is like shocking. Um, I had a family meeting in February of this year at Big White's. We were all together. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'm written a book. I need you guys to know about our life in 1992. You have no idea who your mom was then. So I shared all about those mm -hmm. details. Um, there was a lot of crying. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of disbelief because their world in Mexico was amazing. They would not give it up. They loved it. Kenny, their stepdad, yeah. he only a New Yorker could raise someone else's three kids the way he did. Like they loved him and he loved them. So it was only in February I did the big reveal about, you know, 28 years of not sharing it. And so they had no idea. None. Wow. Yeah. Just I as mean, an aside. As a mother, I, it doesn't matter what I'm saying right or wrong. I, I think that's great that they actually had no idea because they just thought they were living their best life in Mexico with moms. So, I mean, at the time, right? So that, that you must look back and have a sense of, well, I couldn't have effed them up too bad, like everyone was saying. It's, I think everyone has their own pathway. There's no mm -hmm. question. It was difficult for each one of them in a different way. They were a different age. My middle son was the most challenged because he was 10 his dad left the year before, then his mom moves him to this other country. He can't right. speak that's the language. And so he he um, went in inside. Mm. He didn't talk. Um, initially he had scorpions and cockroaches uh, in his bedroom and he slept on his sofa for over a year. Like, you know, he he had more challenges than the older one in the end. Now, your biggest lessons from your transformation journey, what would they be? Uh, never give up. That true grit really does exist in all of us. Mm -hmm. We have, we are more powerful and stronger than you ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how strong I was until I ended up in that village with the kids and nothing went right because you think oh I'm going to paradise I'm going to have this beach life oh would that be great and none of that actually happened the plan did not happen and somehow true grit rises when you're at your absolute lowest good for you for not giving up and going home although at the time what I heard you say earlier was it was the ego that did didn't want you to go back there to confront, like you were saying, the people that would be telling you, look, I told you so. Right. And the fear that I really was going to follow through with right. killing myself and the kids. Right. Like I had to live the year. I had to make it. And then when I got that job, I felt like it was a miracle. Mm -hmm. I didn't really believe in miracles, but... Mm -hmm. I wanted to believe in miracles, mm -hmm. and so I got the job. I started making money, and I was like, oh, my God, I can afford my life, and I can afford it in paradise. You were really making it. You were making it rain. I was actually, throughout the book, I was like, where's her cash coming from? But you were just effort mentality, I guess. 
Well, I only had $33,000 to my name for that adventure. And at the time, I guess it sounded like a lot of money, but I was running out of money fast because the first house, we couldn't stay. It was in the barrio, it was rusted and no water and the windows were welded shut and it was, it was infested with bugs and the AC didn't work and I, it's a long story. Mm-hmm. Then you move on to a nicer place. Well, that was double the money. Mm-hmm. Then a nicer place and that was still a lot more money. And then you had to buy a car and Food. everything was yeah. much more costly than I ever imagined and I was running out of money. Right. And how did I plan on getting, you know, flights back? Yes. Yeah. And getting over betrayal, I know a lot of women who are listening may have, or at at some point they might um, feel betrayed. I mean, I think that's a part of life betrayal, but how did you shift through that? How, how did you get over it? I think the word betrayal and rage kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I was enraged that my life was no longer us. Mm-hmm. When he left for someone else, I it was a devastating blow to me. I felt betrayal is it, raged. I felt uh, inadequate, a failure. I, what, how could you say, you know, when did you stop loving me exactly? Like what day? Mm-hmm. You know, when did that happen? Mm-hmm. And... Um, the only way that I got through that, I guess over it, is once I started working on myself, when you start looking at your own part in something, Mm -hmm. when you really stop blaming someone else and owning who you are, I today cannot blame someone else for how I feel. Mm-hmm. I am a hundred percent in in charge of my own self and my own feelings, and that's a codependent uh, gift that's hard to wrap your arms around in the beginning. Because oh, look what he did! Look what he said to me! Look what you know that her she's part of the problem. Eventually, you have to let go of those. You have to let go of people and uh, wish them well. You have to literally wish them well. If you can't do it uh, genuinely in the beginning, uh, do an affirmation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eventually, you start to believe that you really do want to wish them well. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I have never, ever dissed the father of my children to my children. I do not discuss him. Mm-hmm. I, For some reason, even back then, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to say, oh, this is what he did. It was an internal thing. But yeah, I could say only through working on myself did I get through and around the word betrayal and rage. And as far as writing this book, when you had dropped it off for me, was it about a month ago? Anyways, you'd mentioned that it was 10 years in the making. So I know that I have a... A lot of writers, aspiring writers, authors, can you give some writing tips? I mean, this was a really, I, what I enjoyed about this book the most was the fact that I really, I, I was, it was a nice read to go through. I read it in about three days. 
amongst everything else I was doing. I can't say that for all the books that I've started and didn't finish, so something to be said. Well, I wrote it um, and it sat in the closet for at least 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, 75% finished. And all of a sudden this past year, um, well last year, I was turning 60 and I had a shakeup. I had to give myself an attitude adjustment and say, okay, girl, what are you going to do? Rock it. And what are you going to do turning 60? And this decade is going to be the best decade of your life. So how are you going to make that? So I decided I will finish the book. And I will dedicate to the story of hope and change and how to do it. And it's not difficult. It's it's a decision. And so uh, I got it out. I had a couple of fans little story. Um, I was at a woman's retreat and we were all supposed to bring some craft and I'm like, oh, I'm not crafty. Oh, I'll read a chapter from the book. So I, you know, took it out. This was like three years ago and I read a chapter and the women were like enthralled. You wrote that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us more. No, I don't have time. My hour's up. Okay. <laughs> and so I had one woman who's a lawyer of um, in Vancouver, uh, 35 years working with women mm-hmm. and family law. All these gals would come in, broken, destitute, just, just depressed, and she would. She's the one who said to me, "You've got to finish this. You have to, because I love this, love this, love this." So she inspired me to, you know, get it done. Well, that was three years ago until. So I just finished it this year. Congratulations. I'm happy you did. If anybody wants to get a copy, how can they get their hands on this bad boy? Oh, my gosh. Well, I love talking about it, and um, I can easily hand deliver. It's it's less expensive through me than Amazon. Okay. Um, You could go to Amazon. I am in the Okanagan area, so if you go to DebraKelly.net, send me a little email. Uh, and I'm, I'd be happy to meet you and drop it off. That's how we did it. I remember reaching out over Instagram, actually. Right. Because right. we had met, actually, at an award ceremony a few years ago, real estate-related, and uh, that's how we ended up on each other's Instagram. And then fast forward to now, and then I was scrolling through my feed, and I, I saw that you had put out a book. And because we share the same last name, it, I'm always, whenever you post something, it's, it's almost like, boom, because it's yeah. just yeah. by nature, right? And um, I, yeah, I, I'm so excited that I was able to get a hand-delivered and signed copy. And I just so appreciate your time today. In closing, do you have any other tips that you can share for women who are in a place where they're feeling stuck, they might be feeling depressed, and they might just be thinking, oh, especially this year. I mean, you've been thrown a bit of a curveball. Yeah. I say a bit because I'm just trying to keep it casual, but there's been a lot of changes. Yeah. I I think just the title, Wait a Year, Mm -hmm. uh, resonates more this year than um, Mm -hmm. I realized. I um, I would say if I had one must do, if you're 
struggling with anything, um, anything, a relationship, uh, uh, kids. Oh my God, I've got a, all my friends now are like homeschooling and they're like, oh, what am I, I can't deal with this anymore. Find some alone time, 10 minutes a day, and take a pen to a notebook and write down uh, your gratitude list. Um, either start your pages that way or end it, one of the two. Write the most uh, disturbing things that are bouncing around your head to get it mm -hmm. on the page. Mm -hmm. And then write the opposite of that. What would I say that I can do today that would help release me from, you know, the ugly voices that are in, in your head? I, I Start journaling. That's my number one go-to. Yeah, thank you, Deborah. I want to mention something, too, because I came across something really powerful as well. It's called, um, it's just power writing. Power similar to journaling, but almost illegible. Just getting it all out. Just There's something so therapeutic. I am really meeting you at that place where I as well found writing to be that outlet that I just so needed to help bring me from where I was to where I am and also continues to help me to go to where I want to be. So we share that. I share that. The power writing. So just as an aside, Julia Cameron has um, called the artist way. Mm -hmm. She does a 12 week program. If you've got two, three or four girlfriends that you can get together and dedicate to doing this journey, it is powerful because she teaches you how to journal and has little homework assignments in the week. It's all about filling your soul up. Mm, it's, it's cool. I love that. Finding your creativity, but really it's finding who you are. I love that. I feel like we could just keep talking. So I'm hoping for a part two. Do you have a timeline? Is there a possibility? What happened to Kenny? We want to know more about Kenny. Yeah, there's a lot that needs to be said about Kenny and then how we, I said I was never getting married again, and, and of course then I get <laughs> married. Um, there's a lot. I've got it brewing. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, I've got some of it already written. So, yes, I will be finishing another book. Okay, cool. Well, then we'll have to do another episode once Okay. Once I hear more about that. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time and your beautiful spirit and just everything that you've brought forward on your journey that you've shared that I know will help so many others. And thank you for your honesty and authenticity. Uh, within Thank the book. Thank you for having me. I just, I'm feeling very uh, honored. Anyways, you. chicken wing, we're in COVID times, uh, <laughs> so we can only do the chicken wing, not the hug, as much as I'd love to. But um, thank you very much, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Your Best Being podcast. Make sure to visit yourbestbeing.com and subscribe for free self-development resources and updates.